comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Ex Machina. Deuce Ex Machina, the video game? Leave out the deuce, hold the Ex Machina. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. Hi. Out Now is a film podcast, which is Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 188, 188. I think that's when we travel back through time, right? Yeah, we punch okay. it to 188. That's 188 long. miles per hour. That's a long one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Need a lot of road. Okay, uh, so yeah, this is 188, and uh, the main feature of the week is Ex Machina, the new sci-fi film from director Alex Garland, starring Oscar Isaac, Donald Gleason, and Alicia Vikander. Um, and yeah, joining us to discuss Ex Machina, we have from Fast Film Reviews, he is the middle of he is in the middle of studying for his Turing test, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. And from Cinemaxwell.com and Real the Real Topics podcast, he's dancing the night away with his robot companion, it's Maxwell Haddad. Yo, yo, how's it going? <laughs> Tearing up the dance floor. I know. Check, check, check this out, bro. How are you two gentlemen doing tonight? I am resplendent. Great. Glad to have you both back on here. Mark, Thank you for having us. You. Maxwell, good to have you back. I know it's been a while since we've had Maxwell on the show proper. We, uh, we just had you on a, on a commentary track for Too Fast, Too Furious not too long ago, but now, it's, uh, yeah. now you're back here. Well, thank okay. you. And Mark, you know, one of our oldest stalwarts of the show, as I like to call him. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely the word that I constantly use uh, when describing Mark Hope. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, got a got a packed show this week. A lot of a lot of things happened, guys. <laughs> like we had some big trailers. We got movies. We got all kinds of stuff out. I'm sure we've seen a number of things as well. Um, so we're just gonna dive right into it. And uh, first things first, I was at the Star Wars celebration this week. Um, this is the big, basically, a, it's a similar to something like Comic-Con or WonderCon, except it's entirely focused around the subject of Star Wars. Good thing Star Wars happens to be a vast universe of things to explore, because there was certainly a lot to do over the course of four days that I was involved with. <laughs> uh, first things first, though, and uh, I, I think we could just count, count this as part of Trailer Talk now. We'll, we'll, we'll do, this is trailer, trailer, trailer Talk Part 1 we'll do for the Star Wars trailer, because that happened. Uh, I was in a room full of uh, Star Wars fans as we watched J.J. Abrams like parade around his cast and everything, but we wanted him to get to the point, which was the new Star Wars trailer. That's half joking, uh, but that did happen, and we, you know, myself, the people in the arena, and you know, the world got to see because it was live streaming. Um, got to see the premiere of the brand new Star Wars: The Cold and the Force Awakens trailer, um, which showed us a little bit more of what's going on here, including you know, big teases of certain returning characters and what have you. Um, but I'm going to stop before I get to more Star Wars stuff and ask you guys, what did you guys think of the trailer? Let's start with Maxwell. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was great. It just put a huge smile on my face. It made me feel like a kid again. Obviously, with the most recent Star Wars films, it's easy to want to be skeptical, but, you know, 
all my skepticism washed away as I was uh, uh, basking in the light of this new, very well-cut, very fun trailer with, as you said, some very nice surprise uh, return characters to see there. Mark? Yeah, I mean, I don't even need a trailer to be excited about this movie. I think it uh, raises a lot of questions. So uh, the nice thing that I appreciated about the trailer is that it doesn't really, it's not very spoilery. It's just kind of gives you a taste of some things. And uh, I mean, Chewie, we're home. That like, what more is there to say than that? Abe? I definitely enjoyed the trailer quite a bit. I think right when the score hits, it's uh, it gave him some goosebumps. And then, again, the visuals, it's just a splice of a bunch of visuals and some actors that are in it. Big fan of it. I was very, very excited to see it. Uh, I mean, as far as teaser trailers go, this is a huge teaser trailer in terms of just the definition of it, but also what I can come to expect in a real full-length trailer. Uh, and I'll probably just stop watching trailers after that. What I like about this is that it feels it's very much in the realm of trailers that I can appreciate for what they're showing me. And Abe, I know you you know, you try to not watch certain trailers at a certain point, but yeah. Movies like this and people people like Nolan and uh, Snyder, I mean just certain people they 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 definitely have control over their trailers. Like and this and Abrams is, you know, he's the man behind the mystery box. So he's the master of showing you what you might need, feel like you can see without revealing anything and seeing a trailer like this is like yeah we're getting some glimpses and some teases but we're not we don't really know anything i mean obviously we learned some new facts that we might not have known beforehand but it's not enough to certainly spoil an entire movie but it's very much a way to give you a certain sense of just rousing nature it's just awesome i mean like it's, yeah like excellent <laughs> like, you can't even speak frame. yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's that just, good <laughs> it's fantastic and yeah as a and I know we're all big Star Wars fans. I'm certainly a big Star Wars fan. I was just at a four day convention for it. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it was quite the, quite the, quite the sight, quite the feat to be like seeing this and being like, we have a new Star Wars movie coming, and it looks just like fantastic. So, a lot of good stuff with that Star Wars Cole and The Force Awakens, which arrived this Christmas <laughs> in theaters. Um, but other stuff that happened on the day or on this whole weekend, this extended weekend essentially. Um, before the trailer came out, the one thing I want to mention about the J.J. Abrams panel, like, this is, like, the big panel. Like, this is the one that everyone, like, lined up to, like, see. Like, if it was the equivalent of Comic-Con, it'd be the Hall H, where you, everyone just waits, like, you know, a day before to try and get in line for this thing. That said, you probably could have got in if you, even without camping. Uh, the funny thing about, like, camping out for something like this is, like, I don't need to get, I don't try to get up and, like, get as close as I can, because it's not like I'm going to high-five J.J. Abrams and, like, be his best friend. So it's like, I just want to get a seat. So, like, I'm happy sitting in the bleachers where I'm, like, up high away from, you know, giant heads. <laughs> see a screen, clearly. So, with that in mind, um, among the things that happened, like, he brought out Oscar Isaac, uh, Daisy Ridley, and John Boyega, Moses for Life, um, and... yeah. Along yeah. with Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew, Anthony Daniels, like this is like a star-studded cast <laughs> coming. Oh, out by on the stage. way, why why wasn't Harrison Ford there? He's uh, still he recovering from that plane crash. Plane that he crash. Was in. Yeah, crash from Millennium Falcon. Got it. That okay. said, he wasn't going to come anyway. He's Harrison Ford. He doesn't yeah. do this. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the thing that was going to happen. But they all, among the things they also brought out, they brought out R two D two, the chosen one, as they call him, and they also brought out B eighty eight. BB, sorry, BB-8. BB-8. I say that backwards. <laughs> BB-8, uh, the newest droid in the Star Wars family. And what's cool about this thing is it's entirely practical. And it's practical in a way where I can't explain how it works. It's a ball with a half a ball as a head on top of the ball. And the ball rolls, and the head swivels around as it's going on. 
The only thing I can think is incredibly strong moving magnets. Yeah, that's it too. Like, that's all I have. But it's so impressive to me that it's a cool effect that's real, and I can't explain it. That's my favorite yeah. kind. It's magic. So that that was cool to see, like, on stage. Um, what else happened? Um, we, got a, uh, we got some more information on Star Wars Rogue One. This is the standalone film, which is actually st- a Star Wars anthology film. That is what it is officially going to be referred as, apparently. And this is, of course, the kind of spin-off episodes that don't correspond with the, I guess, the, the Skywalker timeline and are just more of things that happened in Star Wars history. And Rogue One, we learned, this is from Gareth Edwards, director of Godzilla and Monsters. He uh, He's making this movie, and the plot apparently revolves around a heist of the Death Star plans. Um, so that takes place before or kind of parallel to A New Hope. And that's a cool idea. That is a cool premise. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a cool premise, and I was uh, saying earlier is that I'm, I must not have been paying attention or didn't realize, but for some reason I assumed, other than like if they do origin story films, that most of the spinoffs would take place later in the timeline or concurrent with the new trilogy, but to hear that this is sort of going back in time is really exciting to me, to fill in some of these gaps. I wonder if any characters from New Hope may return, like uh, Porkins or anything like Definitely that. Porkins. Porkins. Yeah, we'd all, yeah, Porkins. <laughs> Josh Gad is working. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in Star Wars the Musical. All right. He's so cool. Well, if that yeah, was, I, I'm yeah. excited for that. I mean, with, Gareth Edwards just seems fit for the job. With that in mind, Felicity Jones is the only announced cast member so far, and I would not be surprised if she's maybe cast as a certain princess in this film. Just a thought. But she's also maybe a rebel soldier, but that could still be a friend. I don't know. We don't know. Who knows? Interesting. Um, food for thought. Uh, let's see what else of things I want to wrap up the Star Wars stuff. I know there's a lot of it, but um, I got a chance to watch panels that featured Ian McDermott, who plays Emperor Palpatine in the films, Ray Park, who's of course Darth Maul, um, uh, Billy D. Williams, who uh, you know is of course the smoothest man in the galaxy. Um, I got to watch a little bit of Episode Three in 3D. It was a world premiere of that there, and I watched the opening of that because that's a cool part of that film, and I was like, oh. I want to see how this works, and I was impressed. For the most part, but the uh, the coolest thing I want to mention before we move on to other things is um, Star Wars: A, a New Hope in Navajo. Um, yeah. So this this came out like a couple of years back now, like the actual release of this. But there's a documentary being made about what happened, and what happened, you might ask. It's Star Wars uh, has a new language dub in Navajo, and why that's important is is this is the first time a major motion picture has ever been dubbed in the language track of Navajo. Um, that has not happened before, and Star Wars apparently was the perfect opportunity to use, utilize this. So various uh, Native American, most likely Navajo tribe members, <laughs> um, <laughs> provided a, a all-new language track for Episode One. And the panel that wow. I attended um, featured a clip, like a good like, 10 minutes of a documentary focusing on the process of making this happen. Um, and then there was you know, some of the people involved and the you know, people that provided the voices came out and discussed the process, um, hearing about kind of what Star Wars means, like how that less about kind of the actual process of utilizing the language but i should say that the the process of doing this is complicated because of the various dialects and the complication of of the navajo language which is why it hasn't been done before um but um they're they're also talking about kind of how the navajo and kind of the mythology of star wars really ties in very well in terms of kind of the balance of good and evil the use of the force and things of that nature and it just seemed like a good fit in terms of like using this film as one to have that language track. And then they screened uh, episode four. They screened a new hope in with the track. I watched a good. I watched the first portion, basically just until 
C3PO and R2 leave for Tatooine on the escape pod just because I wanted to see what it sounded like. And it was pretty neat. Like they, they had like the subtitles below for those that, you know, haven't memorized star Wars by heart, but I'm sure we all have. So who cares? Um, so, <laughs> but it was a, it was a cool thing. And like, it was a panel that was not nearly as crowded as it could have been. Like this was a panel that should have had more people in it. Cause it was just fascinating to kind of listen to and hear about, but so who yeah. did the voices? I mean, is it anybody? Uh, no, I mean... like, I mean, there's no, not to be kind of dismissive in terms of what I know about what native American, actors are of which tribe but there's no west duty for example or adam beach or anything it's just more of people that have that wanted to participate that are among the Navajo tribe that have i guess a talent for doing this kind of work okay um, but certainly you can find i know you can you can currently order this from walmart they, they sell copies of this track if you are so you know inclined to oh, do wow. so and there's certainly more information online including on rant hollywood where i posted an article about the uh, star wars navajo in cool. Navajo. So yeah, that's I'm gonna wrap it up with the Star Wars talk there. I know there's other things we can get to, um, including uh, a little thing we call Know Everybody, where each week we ask some questions to everyone in the panel and try to get the tone for the podcast going. And better get to know everybody. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Mark. We got it down. Hey, why don't you start this one off? Get, sure. Being a stalwart on the show doesn't, you know. <laughs> I've been around. So my question to you guys is, you guys are a genius billionaire mechanical engineer, electrical engineer. You're trying to build an AI. Do you make a gray box, a male or a female? <laughs> I'd like a buddy. I'd, I'd, like a, I'd like a Jarvis type scenario, so I'd probably, you know. I'd so just, just a voice? Well, just, you know, like a guy I can like sit on the couch with and he can compute stuff for me. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. To tie in uh, both things we're talking about, I I wouldn't do a gray box necessary. I'd do some sort of droid esque robot, so it still has, you know, recognizable features, but no gender. Hmm. Is R two D two a male or female? He's R two D two. Okay, all right. That's that's great. I, I think I would do the same thing as just make it sort of droid like, but not give the. Um, robot a sex it would be more about the intellect and so I, I think giving it a sex kind of uh i don't know it sort of uh becomes a little bit more about that than it does about the intellect of the being well i think one of the issues is if it's going to communicate it needs a voice so That's the voice I, will have yeah. to have a gender but you could still you could have a male voice or a female voice but still be asexual and you know nothing that would you know be for most people, uh, of sexual desire. All right. Cool. I have a question. What sort of competition would you enter you and your Android companion into? I mean, is there any doubt? Is it a dancing competition? That's a good one. <laughs> uh, javelin. There you go. <laughs> My Android would throw better than anyone could throw. <laughs> Gold medal. Maybe uh, art, uh, an artistic competition. Nice. Like paint, Shabby likes to paint. Sh- Shabby likes to paint, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Good answers, guys. That's how you play? No, everybody. No, everybody. <laughs> um, I skipped over a few things, by the way. Um, 
just because uh, <laughs> I was so involved in the Star Wars talk. Yeah. We do have a lot to talk about. But just to back up a bit, um, we have a new commentary track out for Daredevil. I know that was basically our it's episode 2003's Daredevil. 2003's Daredevil, yes, that's correct. Uh, the director's cut more specifically as well. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that one. It's uh, Lots more Coolio. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, Abe participated on there, first time seeing the movie ever. Yep. Um, we also had Brandon Peters. And Jim Dietz, who uh, provided plenty of good comic information, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of people have been, you know, responding quite well to that commentary track, and we certainly like doing them, and we like to do more of them. So be stay tuned because we have some good plans coming up based on a lot of the films that are coming soon to theaters. So there's some cool stuff on the way. Um, let's see, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you search out now with Aaron and Abe, you don't have to type all of that because our show comes up pretty quickly. Because we're just that popular, uh, you can find our show, you can submit a rating, <laughs> so type up a little review if you'd like to. It'd be very helpful, helps us out, and we you know, greatly appreciate it. Thanks in advance. Um, there's other developments that might be happening in the near future. That we'll, we'll get, get to, to those, but, uh, yeah. yeah. We I got, mean... there's, we got there's, some, there's some things in the works. Yeah. Some things in the works. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I'm intrigued. Week, yeah, you should yeah. be. Everyone should be. Everyone should be really excited about how great of a show we put on. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but I just sat on one. So anyway, <laughs> lastly, we'll, uh... get, we'll get to this next. We'll get to this at the end of the show as well. But I just want to put out right now: um, summer movies are coming up, guys, and that of course means that we have an annual summer box office gamble that we have to do as well. Um, we'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But just be aware that hey, we like to have fun with what's going to happen this summer at the movies. All right, moving on. Let's do a lot of quickies. Tim? Each weekend out now, we have one main movie that we talk about. We always have the movies that we see during the week that we talk about. Tim? The, the only thing I did backwards was say ickies and not quickies at the end of that mm. sentence. But otherwise, well, you've freaking flawless. Uh, Pretty so, decent. With that said, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week or recently? Pass. No? Nothing? I can't recall. Pass. What have you been watching? Uh... I've been watching a lot of Louis still. I, I watched season four and then I moved backwards into watching season three and two and one. Have you not seen Louis before? No, I had not. Oh my god! What are you yeah, doing? so I'm caught up on Louis. Get it together, Abe. <laughs> Every week, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're friends. Fall, falling off the horse a few times. <laughs> Maxwell, have you seen any other movies recently? Sure, I saw Unfriended, formerly known as Cybernatural. Cool. Uh, the gimmick was was used pretty well. It was a decent little little thriller movie. Not bad. I also saw Unfriended this week, and I agree. I I enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't necessarily thinking I wasn't going to enjoy it because I heard good things coming out of South by Southwest. But I was. Uh, I think it it has a it doesn't be it, it's never great, but no. at the same time, it's certainly it's like. I was describing it with a friend of the show, Peter Paris, actually. Um, it's like, it's a B, but, like, it's a really fun B. Like, it's not like a, it, it's a movie that you wouldn't necessarily say, you gotta go see this, but when you hear someone say you saw it, it's like, wasn't that fun? That's kind of the reaction I had. Like, it's a, it's a solid, like, teen slasher. Yeah. Of a neat ideal for, idea for a premise. So this and Modern Family really nailed the let's take place all on one screen this year premise. I guess Mark didn't see Unfriended. I did not. Okay. Well, Mark, what did you see this week? I saw uh, Noah Baumbach's While We're Young, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, Noah Baumbach is really, overall, is not one of my favorite directors. Um, but uh, the last two films that he's done, actually, I've kind of responded to quite positively. And this one in particular is, without a doubt, my favorite uh, film from him. 
Um, and it basically has to do with these uh, this couple, Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts. They're in their 40s. And uh, they're kind of uh, wrestling with the idea of becoming older, essentially. And into their life comes this sort of young hipster couple uh, played by Adam Driver and Amanda Seyfried. And uh, they uh, – it, it sort of plays out this sort of uh, interaction between the two couples and kind of the older couple and the younger and, and what – they. The uh, older couple responds to the younger couple's sort of uh, take on life, um, and it could have easily become sort of a, a comedy to make fun of people in some way. But in really, nobody is ever really made fun of. It's actually very even-handed. Um, there are good points and bad points about both couples, and it's kind of a, a, a very well thought out film. And uh, for one of the things I, I don't care for Noam Bach's movies is uh, the characters can often be quite unlikable. Uh, the Squid and the Whale was an example of that for me. But this, actually, they're they're all very likable. And uh, it's uh, I, it's quite deep, actually. I thought that the, the, the way the story plays out is quite well done. And uh, Noah Baumbach has always been sort of uh, – uh, been inspired quite a bit, I, I believe, by uh, Woody Allen. And uh, I think uh, this is definitely something to anybody who is a fan of, of that uh, director's work will definitely respond well to this. I've definitely heard of Woody Allen. Um, he's a good, he seems like a good upstart. Um, no, I, I, uh, I just saw While We Were Young as well, Mark, I, and I mostly agree with everything you said. I wouldn't say that's my favorite Bombach film. I really like Francis Ha um, from, was that two years ago? Well, right, right. And I, yeah. I like I like Francis Ha as well, but but this I, I definitely thought uh, went deeper and and had more to say. So I I, I, I enjoyed it more. I can certainly agree with that uh, in terms of kind of what it's trying to do. Um, and with that said, yeah, I agree with you about Noah Baumbach in general. Or I do kind of he does he can rub me the wrong way depending on what the film's trying to do. I like Squid and the Whale more than you did, but like uh, Margo at the wedding, I just really did not like it all. But I like Greenberg as well, also with Ben Stiller. Um, yeah, while we were young, certainly a solid, solid film to check out. Definitely yes. recommend that as well. And uh, since I saw both of those movies, that's what I had to talk about. So uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm <laughs> <There> good. <you laughs> go. <laughs> All right. So that was Out Now Quickies. Jim. Let's move on now. Let's get to our other movie that we're going to talk in Trailer Talk. This is Trailer Talk Part 2 for those keeping score. And um, this is um, the trailer for Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice, the upcoming film that features both, you guessed it, Batman and Superman what? in some sort of justice that comes be- after the dawn or something. I don't begin to know what the title is going for with needless complications, but regardless, this trailer is something of a something of a debacle for Warner Brothers. I mean, they were going to launch it tomorrow at this exclusive IMAX event, and they attempted to you know tease that out with this 20-second, like, look at the cow and look at the S plan of attack before someone decided to record it in very crappy quality, posted online, and have numerous parentheses respected on parentheses sites post it anyway, and um, Warner Brothers' solution was, well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. We might as well release the cleanest version possible, much like Marvel did when the right. Avengers trailer leaked last, uh, last winter. And so here we have it. We have the full trailer for, for that movie. I'm just not saying the title anymore. And um, so, yeah, with all of that in mind, with this new trailer for the film that features Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and a bunch of others in Zack Snyder world, which I know some of you are big fans of. Um, 
What did you have to think about that? Let's go. Let's go with Mark first, who I believe had Man of Steel as like his number one movie ever. You know, I didn't know we were discussing this trailer, so I I haven't even seen it. <laughs> so I mean, that might be a review right there, in a sense. All right, Maxwell, what did you think of the trailer? Eh, that's all I got. <laughs> Abe. Yeah, after watching the Star Wars trailer and then having the debacle, like what you had mentioned, this one leak online, and also people were really uh, happy about having the the teaser of the teaser, and I saw the teaser of the teaser, I was like, eh, it's okay. And then I saw the actual trailer, and it's like, it's okay. I mean, I'm not expecting... I guess maybe there's still some lingering aftertaste of uh, Man of Steel there, and I don't know if it's if that's giving me some sort of weaker than normal vibe to it, but for the most part, it's okay. Yeah. I, uh, I can't say like I was blown away by the trailer just cause I wasn't blown away by the trailer. Um, it's weird that I'm in a world where like we can get a Batman Superman movie and I'm not as excited as I like to be, but that honestly is kind of on Zack Snyder and what man of steel did more. So with David S. Goyer as well, the screenwriter, um, who I am happy to throw under the bus any chance I can. But, um, yeah, the trailer, it, I mean, it It certainly, like, my, the thing I'm not complaining about is what the tone looks to be. Like, it certainly, it looks like it fits with the man, like, what Man of Steel set up. Like, it, it's, unfortunately, it seems kind of comically dark and gritty at this point. Like, that's how far down it goes. <laughs> like, it's not just, like, dark and gritty. It's just, like, it's the darkest, possibly grittiest movie you could, like, imagine, apparently, as far as Batman movies go. It just happens to have Superman along for the ride as well. It sets up some neat ideas as far as how to utilize Batman in this universe. It's just the the look that I'm getting from it. I I mean, it's just, it's great that it's, you know, it seems like it's different from other things that we've gotten in the past, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know how different I want to go. Like, how dark do we want to get with this thing? What do we, like, is there going to be fun in it at all? <laughs> like, and that's not what we're seeing so far. Well, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, no one's not going to see a Batman versus Superman movie. Right. Like, that's not going to happen. But it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> got to wait for more. Got 11 months, so we got to wait for more. What troubles me a little bit is that, obviously, the goal of whoever cuts the trailer is to sell your movie. And I'm just not sure why they felt the, the, the content of the trailer was, you know, the best way to introduce this new movie. Uh, and if it's, like, reflective of the overall piece, I'm pretty skeptical. Hmm. The, the, the one thing I have to say is, and although he's not shown a lot, I, I mean, so far I'm digging what, what Affleck seems to be bringing. Yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, we don't see too much of what's happening, but, I mean, he's certainly... Certainly there, and regardless of how silly this new Batman voice is, which is more of uh, based on what he's wearing rather than right. what he's actually going to be doing, I do like that dialogue. I like that's like a very Frank Miller line that he says, "Do you plead? You're going to like it's just it, it it's and like even the setup of Batman or I'm sorry of Superman like controversy surrounding the idea of a a false god being present on earth like that's there's some interesting stuff there but then again man of steel also presented an interesting idea it just went about it in the, you know not the best of ways <laughs> question for you guys about this uh is this an, an older bruce wayne in this movie or is that's this... the idea and ben i affleck think is, so yeah ben affleck is you know mid 40s so i mean it's Great. like yeah but yeah that's that's definitely the idea i mean it's certainly like it's 
it's not a direct adaptation of the dark knight returns by frank miller but it does <laughs> like has is drawing inspiration from that and then that obviously bruce i mean bruce wayne's even older and that he's like pushing 70 in that book mm. but um yeah it's certainly a, a kind of a an aged bruce wayne batman character that's being kind of brought back or whatever you want to call it into this right universe so <clears throat> well that said we'll uh we'll see batman v superman colon dawn of justice <laughs> arrives in theaters and IMAX with featuring scene shot in IMAX on March 25th, 2016. So there you go. Um, there's a, the, the, the host of other characters is supposed to be in this thing as well. I mean, like, there's still Wonder Woman's and uh, Aquaman's and all kinds of things happening. And so, Lex Luthers. And Lex, Lex Luthers. Yeah. So there's plenty of material for the valet guys on Key and Peele to mine for that one. Uh, <laughs> moving on now. With all that out of the, I mean, there's so we, there's more we could talk about. We had a new Fantastic Four trailer, an Ant Man trailer. There's a ton. Terminator, yeah. which continues to uninterest un- un- me, um, <laughs> and maybe the most exciting of them all, Joe Dirt Two, Beautiful Loser. But we can save that Ooh. all for another time. Um, I'm sure all three of those will definitely be on our uh, top ten box office wager, especially Joe Dirt Two streaming on Crackle this summer. Um, <laughs> what's crack? Moving on though, you say what's Crackle? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Crackle is one of the very streaming services available for everyone else. It just basically plays commercials in between parts of the movie. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's get out of this and get into our main film review for Ex Machina. This building isn't a house. It's a research facility. And I want to talk to you about what I'm researching. You want to see something cool? You are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Do you have a name? Ava. Answer me this. How do you feel about her? Her AI is beyond doubt. No, nothing analytical. Just how do you feel? I feel that she's amazing. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Ex Machina. This is the story of a programmer, played by Domhnall Gleeson, selected to test some experimental AI created by an isolated inventor and C- CEO of a giant tech comp- company, played by Oscar Isaac. This test has Gleeson's character speaking with the AI, who has been built into an android, played by Alicia Vikander. With all that said, this sort of testing may prove to be trickier a situation than expected. Maxwell had add. What has been your relationship with the previous works of Alex Garland, and what did you think of his directorial debut? Uh, okay, first of all, I just want to say that the M in Domino is silent, so his name is actually Dono Gleason. Don't care. Uh, I'm kidding. Well, it's one, one, one of those <laughs> strange, I don't know if it's Irish or Gaelic or whatever names that's hard to pronounce, kind of like Ray Fiennes. Um, in terms of Alex Garland, generally speaking, I have enjoyed his work. I don't love the beach but I do like 28 Days Later and Sunshine very much. I thought his script for Dread was very efficient. Um, and I think this is a pretty brilliant uh, debut. I love the film pretty much from top to bottom. Uh, I think it's a great chamber drama. It brings up fascinating scientific ideas and psychological ideas. The performances are fantastic. It kept me on the edge of my seat and left me with many questions to ponder uh, not that I felt that the movie uh, left things unanswered, but that it, it stimulated me intellectually in a way that I appreciated. Mark Hoban. I really enjoyed uh, Ex Machina. Um, I think the 
the best parts about it are the script and the the interactions between Ava, the the android, and then uh, uh, the uh, character by Donald Gleason. Um, the, those interactions are really good. And then uh, Donald Gleason has to report back to Oscar Isaac his findings, which are being monitored. Uh, but it's almost like he wants to see like how he has interpreted his interactions. Uh, and that's interesting as well. Uh, I think Oscar Isaac is really, really great in this film. I mean, actually there, there's three, I mean, three really good performances. Uh, actually, uh, the actress, uh, Alicia Vick, Vikander, uh, who plays the uh, robot of, of sorts, is is extraordinary as well. Um, I had never seen her before, so she was new to me. But Oscar Isaac is almost unrecognizable in this movie. I mean, he's got a shaved head and this bushy beard. And his character is so disconcerting. I mean, he is he sort of wants to present himself as this sort of laid back, hey, I'm just a bro, let's let's hang out and have a beer. But he's so not that guy. And and as you watch the film and you sort of see his interactions uh with um uh Donald Gleason, he's he's really like he's creepy. I mean, and I won't reveal like the narrative because there's things that you find out uh, throughout the course of the film that you realize this guy is really a weirdo. Um, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed like their interactions a lot. And then of course the interactions between the robot are also quite good. She's actually, um, she took ballet. So her like placement of her arms and the way she interacts, I mean, she's supposed to be robotic, but at the same time, it's very graceful and it, it's very studied the way that she interacts and stuff. And that's, it's all really good. So I love the look of the film and this sort of subterranean compound where Oscar Isaac lives and everything. Um, I don't think that the film is particularly deep and when the whole thing was over, I kind of thought, wow, there really isn't a – I didn't feel like there was a whole lot to it. But I was fascinated by the film and I did enjoy it. So I, I, I was really in, you know, into it. But I, I don't think it was particularly deep. I think it, it does have – it's sort of like a Twilight Zone episode. It, it has some interesting concepts, but it wasn't any – I didn't learn anything new. But other, But I think it was still a very – uh, fascinating film, and I really enjoyed the look of it. I thought this was a very, very good film. Uh, in terms of great, maybe not, but very, very good, uh, very thought-provoking. And one of the things that I liked about it a lot is just the intrigue that characters build into the storyline. So uh, that's kudos to Alex Garland for his writing. Uh, but uh, everyone has given praise to uh, to uh, Oscar Isaac, and he is great in this. He's like this alcoholic, workaholic that is really good at what he does and lives alone in the Fortress of Solitude uh, out in, like, Iceland. Um, Norway. Norway. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really interesting because I appreciated that it was a smart film, but not overly smart in terms of demeaning an audience. Uh, just meaning, like, oh, they're going to explain this stuff. And don't worry, you won't get it because you're not that smart. Or these guys are so smart that they don't have, or they're just talking light years ahead of you. Did you program her to flirt with me? If I did, would that be cheating? Wouldn't it? Caleb, what's your type? Of girl? No, of salad dressing. 
Yeah, a girl. What's your type of girl? You know what? Don't even answer that. Let's say it's black chicks. Okay? That's your thing. For the sake of argument, that's your thing. Okay? Why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed analysis of all racial types and you cross-referenced that analysis with a points-based system? No. You're just attracted to black chicks. A consequence of accumulated external stimuli that you probably didn't even register as they registered with you. Did you program her to like me or not? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed, by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Um, they're smart, but they also are able to essentially uh, help you understand what's going on, why they're doing these things. And also they help you, they, they basically reveal everything toward the end of the movie, which made things even more interesting because of how you perceive things previously in the film. So when something, uh, when, when uh, Oscar Isaac is giving his whole spiel, um, it made me rethink about how I view situations just in my own daily life, of, of how I perceive things and what people might be saying versus what actually is said and whatever else. Um, all in the name of science or all in the name of testing something, which was very interesting. Um, one of the things I didn't like was Domino Gleason's character, and that's only because I don't really get a sense of who he is, and you do learn these things about him throughout, um, but it's, it's, I, I, there's a line where Dominic, or where uh, Oscar Isaac basically tells him, like, hey, man, I chose you, um, you might not be the best, and Quite honestly, you're probably not, but I just chose you just because. Um, and that kind of bothered me because going into the movie, like three quarters of it, I was thinking, oh, well, this guy is like a genius coder too. Um, clearly not the case. So uh, above all, though, I did like, uh, what's her face? Um, Alicia Vikander. Uh, Alicia Vikander. Very, very much. Like Mark talked about it in terms of her placement of her hands and her movement and whatever else. It's. Uh, I'm pretty sure that she her dance practice comes into it, but also I'm glad that they did some work in terms of you know moving your head first or how would a how would an android react to a situation like this? How would they sit? How would they stand? And uh, it's very very uh, heartwarming to some degree when she starts putting on makeup and uh, basically showing herself uh, as a full fleshed human being to in, during these sessions with Domino Gleason. Uh, but on the whole, very very interesting concept. It is a very good film. Um, just some caveats here and there that didn't really push it over the top. Um, I love this movie. I, it's currently, and I've seen some movies this year. I, this is currently my favorite film of the year so far, and I won't be surprised if it remains that way, at least on the top ten list kind of come the year end. I think it's terrific. I, I it's, it's a, it'd be a great stage play. It just happens to be a be a film that has some terrific special effects, which I don't think have been mentioned at all mm -hmm. so far. But I think they're truly pretty amazing for a low budget or you know a lower budget film than you know some of the other stuff that we've seen. Um, I think the acting from all three characters is pretty terrific. Obviously, Oscar Isaac makes the most biggest impression because he's the way he plays his character is just the most offbeat. But I think Alicia Vikander she does a terrific job playing this AI who has a way of presenting itself. And you, the way you kind of interpret what's going on there it can be thought of in various ways. 
the same could be said for the other characters as well. And I, I actually do think Donald Gleason does a terrific job here, and I do think I get a lot of what his character is. I disagree with you on that point, Abe. I think he, I, I, I think the the film and you know the setup presents him in one way, but it's purposely doing other things as well to get you to understand what he really is. And Oscar Isaac's character very much understands that, and that's something I love about Oscar Isaac's character, yeah. where he plays a certain persona, but see, but does have ulterior motives as well and just the way all of these three characters enter i mean for being you know a very 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 singular film in terms of like what we're like where we are who we're seeing we're following just a couple characters just one location it manages to do that i think in a really clever way throughout without feeling too stagey and without feeling claustrophobic this is a film that takes place in an underground bunker yet we see (laughs) some really great shots of the kind of the environments that they're living in and never feels like I'm being encased too much. It feels like I'm getting a I'm getting to see a lot in a film that doesn't have too many places to go, which I found to be quite impressive. I mean, from a directorial standpoint, I think Alex Garland does a terrific job here. He also matches it with some really solid writing. I've had problems with Garland's work in the past, particularly in his third acts where I think 28 days later in sunshine, while I like those movies more now than maybe when I first saw them, I certainly think there's, there's a downgrade in how those movies play in their final third, as opposed to what's being set up in them here. I think he really managed. And I think he's done this in the, with uh, never let me go as well as other film. That he oh yeah. I, I think he's done a very good job of putting together a film that is just really competently made and structured throughout it. And I, I would say to Mark's point where he, you don't believe you maybe walked away learning anything new. I, I can agree with you to a point, but I thought I had I had so many questions coming away with it that were like reflect the movie in a good way of just kind of what the overall motives may have been and who could have who really was the quote unquote bad guy in this and who was the good guy. I mean, there's so many yeah. interpretations I could have of what actually happened at the end of this film, and I just I found all of it very fascinating. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say that as far as like question or the subject of artificial intelligence, I think is a very deep subject, and I didn't really feel like it de- delved into that. So that's why I, I, I wasn't feel like it was that innovative. Max, what did you want? Yeah, I mean, just speaking to your point and, and you know, rebutting Mark's point to a point, I think it paints three complex psychological portraits of very different uh, beings. And the fact that one of those complex psychological portraits is of an artificial intelligence-based character is very uh, I, I don't I don't usually like to use this word, uh, but it's very deep. So you know, to use the terminology you used, um, I thought the film was very insightful about the way different people might handle AI, what we hope to achieve from it, what we how we design it, uh, what we might design it to do for us, and then how if we make a truly sentient being, if we reach uh, the singularity as they call it. Um, how that being would then go on, what choices he or she would make, uh, and that sort of thing. So in that regard, I thought it was very interesting. And that's one of the things I liked about the movie, too, is just the questions that it does raise. I love the ending of this movie a lot. I was very pleased with it because uh, I'm a big fan of, of, <laughs> of the concept of uh, manipulation and whatever else that Oscar Isaac was trying to to test for. Be careful here. Yeah, yeah, and how it and how it plays out. And I loved the way that uh, how that basically created uh, came full circle. 
So on the whole, I thought that, again, there was something to take away just in terms of, well, if we did create something like this, would it be a bad thing? Would it be a good thing? Is it is it an evil? Is it a good? I mean, basically, it's just a living being. You really can't control it. You just give it the ability to decide, and it's kind of a nature versus nurture kind of thing, right? What so, more is, like, it, it's not living. It's a thing, I mean, to phrase it in simplistic terms, but what I enjoy about Oscar Isaac's character is that the film, and you can get this from the trailer, it wants to present him as a villain of some sorts, or at least an antagonist. Mm -hmm. But, like, is he? I mean, because all he's right. doing is testing a machine. Like, he t well, he's basically which, testing a, a blender. Like, that's you're, what talk he's you're talking about Oscar Isaac? Yes. So you question whether or not he's a villain? I, I think do. There's an ar I think there's a good argument to be made. I mean, beyond... Same here. Beyond seeing certain things that he does, I don't think he does anything that's necessarily kind of harmful to anything. They're, they're, but... they're machines. <laughs> I mean... Right. He's, he's I mean, just conducting experiments. I guess villain is too strong, but whether he's an admirable person or someone that you'd want to like and put up on a pedestal to admire, I, I would not. I, I, mean, I, I think I, he's definitely he, – he's a bit reprehensible, but I, I mean he's human. His, I chalk it up more to his reclusive nature than like – yeah, the plans he has for the world. Well, <laughs> I mean, so uh, just a, a little bit to I, I haven't really gone into the but he has this basically servant girl that he employs. Her name is Kyo, Kyoko. And uh, he talks about how she she doesn't speak or understand English. And in this way, he can sort of freely talk trade secrets around her. His like sort of insulting disregard for her, I mean, is is offensive. Like the way that he behaves around her. And I don't know, it's. But given what the movie, I, is, I don't, I, I don't mean, really agree with that. But I can't speak to why. <laughs> given what the movie, but, is, I mean, I think. Well, so, so if you if you reveal why, then yeah, you're then it it, it explains it more. But, but does, does that still hold water though in your argument when you understand why? I mean, it's not. <laughs> he's, yeah, but he's, you don't know that though. You know, like you don't, you don't. I don't right, know. but once the film is done, you've established a new context that then makes you go back and reevaluate what you've seen, and that's okay. one of so, the many. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Uh, there's yeah, more we're to like it towing than that. The, we're towing the line here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but to the greater point, what I'm saying is, I, I'll I, talk I, about I it. I'll it. talk about it with regards to Ava. But uh, it, you know, he has decided to make Ava a woman, and he's made her very shapely and seductive. And and even uh, Donald Gleason even mentions like, well, why make it a woman? Why is that important? And he's like, well, why not? You know, we we are sexual beings and. So that component to his personality is reflected in his whole sort of worldview. And I don't think he's an admirable person. I mean, is he a villain? It's like I think I could find any number of uh, uh, Silicon Valley CEOs of, and they would be very similar to this. In fact, I think the character of, uh, uh, that Oscar Isaac is playing is very real. And I, and I think uh, a lot of people who head these kind of corporations have these sort of godlike uh, complexes. They're very ego-driven, and you know they've got lots of money, and and you know uh, millions of people look up to them and put them on a pedestal. So he embodies all of that, and he is human. But I, I don't think that he's he's an admirable person. So so, so in terms of I, that, I I do agree that he's not the most admirable, but I I will say that he's very intelligent and he's very calculating. Because again, even at the end of the movie, he basically says, "Look, man, here's a pass. I was doing this to you all along. I knew what I was doing. I was being a dick to you basically throughout the entire movie. But it was to test something that I really really thought 
would uh, is going to be a breakthrough. And so he's just really cold and calculating and manipulative, yes, but he's just uh I mean that's just that's just because of his genius, to, I think. That speaks to an aspect of relating to like the main plot, but I I understand what Mark's saying in terms of other I agree. things that we yeah. learn about. Uh, absolutely. About I mean in terms Oscar of like misogyny and whatever else, yes. Yeah, right. Right. The, the the thing too is he's he's such an odd character because and he's I mean, he is so human. Like I, I know people like this. But you know, he one minute he's partying hard, he's slamming down, you know, uh alcohol and all this. The next minute he's like, Oh, I need to purge and I need to drink wheatgrass and, and, and exercise and work out. Like those two things don't go together. I mean you and, say and, that, but I but you say you know people like that. I know people I do know people like that. that right, right. So but 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 that but that's not a that's not a trait that I admire in people. If I see somebody abusing drugs and then I say, oh, now I need to work out and and uh, and and get fit. I don't admire that in people. So yeah, I, but that I mean, does that make it a flaw of the film, though? No, I, I, I it's not. I'm discussing the character. Okay, all right. No, it, it has nothing to do with the flaw in the film. All right. No, I, you were you were saying that you like think this guy I, is. I lost track is, of the I lost track of the question. That we well, I, we were, I, I I think the point we is were that originally you, talking about whether this guy is a villain, and you were saying that he's not. Like, and almost. I'm not saying I mean, he's not. I'm saying there's. There's ways to think about it beyond simple terms, I guess. And and I wouldn't. I mean, beside besides morality He's... and things that he does in terms of his character, I think in terms of what the movie's presenting, and if you wanted to apply certain labels to things, I don't. Nec- I wouldn't necessarily say he's the inherent bad guy of the film necessarily. I think there's ways right. to look at it that make it, well, that make it interesting. I, I think Donald Donald Gleason is definitely the good guy. I mean, he's he's the one that's the caring, sort of nurturing type person, and he's, uh, you know, I mean, he wins this chance, you know. But uh, anyway, he, he wins this chance to come to the thing, and uh, and he was, it was fortuitous that he won because he has these qualities, and uh, supposedly, <laughs> right, so. You know, I I think he's definitely more on the side of the good, and then of course there's this this character of Ava, I mean, which is could, a robot. You could, you could say he's more on the side of good, but I do think there's and there's probably people that have written articles about this that could support well, him being on a darker side, not necessarily darker in terms of like he wants to commit evil, but in terms of what he's desires to unleash upon the world, regardless of what the right, I, what I, speaks I, to what's right and wrong. I think the point here is that the film is is smarter than just being able to put one character in the good box and one character in the bad box. I think all three of the main characters we've been discussing are implicit in making decisions that cause the the ultimate fate of, of the, the film. And so saying, oh, he's a villain, he's a good guy, may not give the film enough credit because, as I said, everyone makes these uh, decisions based on their own personalities and their own uh, priorities that can be interpreted in various ways. And personally, those sort of moral ambiguities and those those questions about who's right, who's wrong, why they did what they did is a strength of this particular piece. Yeah, I would ju- I would just say that it's he's more he's more closer to to the bad guy than Donald Gleason. I don't think it's that they're all equally. I don't think it's equal. I I, I think I wa- walked away from the film feeling like this guy was a creep. Uh, uh, Oscar Isaac, which is fair, and I even agree with you to a point. It's just more of I had that. It's among the questions I had leaving the film, along with just what happens at the end and what it means and things of that nature. Regardless, I mean, we, yeah, we yeah. see his prototypes, you know, in the past, and he's he's done this. He's created robots. Up, the, Ava is not the first. They're they're all female. They're all shapely. You know, he has this sort of like uh, 
I don't know. He he he's this is sort of his worldview. And I'm not he, saying he's not a creep, but I'm just saying they're just machines. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I know it sounds right, right. But I mean, avoid, but, but you like, have you make a decision when you create a machine. You can you can make a you know you can make it a R two D two is a machine. You know. In terms, yes, and in, in terms of in terms of what what he's designing, that's one thing. But in terms of kind of should I really be morally conflicted about the idea that he'd kill one of these machines i don't know as such and so having another character challenging him on that point that that's what i that that's what doesn't make me look at him as necessarily the bad guy in this scenario if he's going to threaten the life of a machine care of a of a non-living you know <laughs> being I right i don't i don't think that aspect makes him evil oh. that's more what i'm speaking to i guess but all kinds of talk oh <laughs> That said, moving moving beyond that, <laughs> something that I what I you know really enjoy about this movie is that it's very entertaining. I think it's a, it's really like a wicked comedy. Like there's a, there's a lot of yes. r- really entertaining aspects to it in terms of the dialogue, how the how mainly Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac interact with each other, how it, it easily could have Oscar Isaac, who's a terrific actor, he could have easily played it as the stuffy mad scientist who is very more like I get more like Nosferatu than the than the bro that he plays in this movie but he is and it's fun and you get and you get i mean he is he is he's totally he is bro. yeah <laughs> who happens is. to be a talented dancer apparently he's, he's <laughs> such a tr- tremendous actor i'm so excited to see how his career is going to evolve because i feel like he's just now we're just seeing like the beginning of what he's going to be capable of yeah. he's yeah. It's so now, exciting guy, he's been in many great films i mean he was like the devil's double uh drive and so many other good films. Lou and Davis. So yeah, a most violent uh, year. Most violent. Yeah. yeah. The thing yeah, I wanted and, to also and, bring and up Star Wars. <laughs> and Star Wars coming up. Yeah. Jedi. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I'm not sure. But uh, one of the things that you guys have all talked about, and I just want to bring up into light is, is that this film has just basically three central characters, all in one bunker, and it captivated me for the entire film, and that is a great job. Uh, well done to Alex and. Again, the way that he has written the film and the way that he's directed it. Because you, the only other people that you see are a helicopter pilot and then just nobody talking, but you just see some coworkers congratulating You got like, yeah, the Gleason, basic setup before uh, you get to where you're going to be. for the rest And of the then day. it's just the three characters. And that was, uh, I was captivated. Especially when it writes on the screen, like Ava, session one or two. Um, it was very, very well done. It's it's structured well. Like I certainly I enjoyed how it kind of went about piecing itself together in terms of the, the Turing test that it's utilizing to have Donald Gleason's character test Ava. I keep saying Donald Gleason's character. What's his name in the movie? Uh, <laughs> good question. Caleb. 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 And what? Nathaniel or Nathan? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan, Nathan yeah. and Caleb, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the the way it's structured around those two are going to test over a certain number of days and just how that all plays into it. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, it's not... It, a, it was just over a week yeah, that was, this happened? Yeah, okay. And the film is, what, like 100 minutes maybe without credits? Like, it's not, like, long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And I do think it's just... It's it's smart without feeling smart. Like, it's smart without making you think that you need to, like, make sure that you're aware of certain things beforehand or else you won't get it. Like, it, it Abe, you've, you've said it earlier when you're initially talking about it it does a good way of kind of presenting information without making it feel like it's presenting you with information yes yeah. the um, um the, one of the other aspects i really liked and i think this went a long way towards keeping the momentum is the score 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't really recognize the the composers' names. I, I'm not that familiar with their work. They seem to be new. Um, and it, it just really helps keep things moving along, keeps the tone on edge. Um, so really well done there. And the cinematography also. Aaron, you mentioned sort of some of the exterior shots that are really just beautiful and set the scene really well and help establish the juxtaposition between nature's beauty outside and then sort of the like almost industrial quality of, of Nathan's bunker. And one of the other things I liked about it too is just it kept me guessing as to where the story was going to go and how it was going to evolve because I was thinking, oh, well, maybe uh, one character is an android too. And he's just super advanced, and now we've got to test to see if androids can speak with other androids. And then I was like, well, maybe the creator is an android, and he died a long time ago. And, <laughs> and you know, he this is just like himself being, that's why he has to live in this bunker by himself. But uh, it kept me guessing toward the end, and uh, I was very, very pleased. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Ex Machina before we move on? Uh, great sound effects uh, from when she's turning her head and stuff like that, too. I think, I mean, from a technical level, I do, I mean, I do, there's a, I, yes, the visual, I mean, we're at a point where visual effects are amazing pretty much any time you get a movie of visual effects, save for certain ones, but I mean, for the most part, you don't generally see many weaknesses in that area. Um, so for a movie like this, which, you know, it relies on one character being an android, you know, basically, you know, removing parts of the body to make it appear as if it has hollow machine parts or what have you. Like, I was really impressed. Like, it's really seamless. Like, I never, I don't try to, you know, I don't look for the seams, but at the same time, it's like, it, it was it was solid to look at this thing and not, like, have to think about it. It's like, no, it just looks like a robot. <laughs> right. I think the most successful kinds of science fiction films with the special effects are ones that don't attempt to do the impossible, but stay within the realm of what is available and then do that really well. Because this movie doesn't, even though the special effects are really good, they're nothing's, I mean, it's nothing like... Yeah, it's not groundbreaking. Know, yeah. It's not groundbreaking, but but what for what it does is really good. And I think that's always better than these films that try to push the boundaries of what special effects can do and then come off looking, you know, some of these CGI uh, disasters, it, it, it starts to get like, this is just not even like an, an actual film anymore. It's more like a cartoon. And th this film is very, you know, it, it did it all very well. And it really isn't even about special effects. It's about this dialogue between uh, these sessions that uh, Caleb and Ava have. And then when uh, in these interactions between uh, Caleb and uh, uh, what's Oscar Isaac's name? Nathan. 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 Uh, Caleb and Nathan. Those interactions are kind of the the focus, and that is what really you know. Those conversations were really uh, you know wonderful. That's what I loved about the film. It'd be yes. a cool play. I'd be interested to see it as a play. <laughs> Guess who's computing at dinner? It'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> So, with all that in mind, Ex Machina <laughs> is in some theaters now. It's expanding wider next week, I believe. And um, let's start with Maxwell. When would you say people should go see this movie? As soon as possible in theaters. I highly gets one of my highest recommendations. Abe? Yeah, definitely. I'd say go check it out in theaters. Mark? Same thing. Go, go see it in theaters. For sure. I agree. Original sci-fi. Cool. Good job, Alex Garland. Yeah. <laughs> I look for and good job, you know, two cast members from Star Wars: Hole in the Force Awakens and Alicia Vikander, who I think has a good career ahead of her. She keeps choosing projects like this. Definitely, right. she looks a lot like Amelia Clark, uh, by the way. I can see that. Yeah. Who's Amelia Clark? She is Daenerys on Game of Thrones. Khaleesi. Uh, okay. Yeah. She has dragons. 
No big deal. Um, <laughs> moving on, let's get to uh, let's get to our sponsor this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com. So shout out podcast. There are over 150,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, or personal robot that comes with an MP3 player, any of those things. Um, there is plenty of books that I can recommend. You can go for do and do what do Android Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, which of course inspired Blade Runner. That's on there. There's many other ones from like Isaac Asimov or whatnot that fit the theme of this week's episode involving ex machina and AI and what have you. But regardless, it's all up there on audibletrial.com slash podcast. You can download a book for free. You can try out their service for a month. If you don't like it, you can get rid of the service, but you get to keep the book that you downloaded for free for free. So be a winner. Read, Read or listen. Audibletrial.com slash podcast. All right. That's out of the way. Let's move on now. Let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is, of course, where we go over the various questions and answers that we received on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where we asked you guys a number of you. <clears throat> Where we asked you guys a number of questions, and you, the listeners, responded, and you also asked us questions, which we will now answer on the show. So, Abe, why don't you start us off? Sure, yeah. First question we asked everyone is, what is your favorite movie set entirely in one location? Philip writes, Rear Window and Moon, both okay. good choices. Uh, Heather writes, Phone Booth, another good choice with, uh, well, is he Irish or is he Scottish? Who, Colin Farrell? Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell. Irish. Irish, Irish yeah. Uh, Jim Dietz, friend of the show, has Das Boot, 12 Angry Men, 90% of Reservoir Dogs, and Alien, and The Shining, or The Shinnin. Backing up to Moon. Moon, I love Moon. That's Moon. We I both love Moon. We both love Moon. Yeah. And, like, that's... When I watched Ex Machina, I, I was I was trying to think of other sci-fi films, but ones, like, with that much simplicity to it, I, I would say, like, Ex Machina is my favorite sci-fi film of that nature since Moon. Oh, that's yeah. high regard. Um, moving right along, Manish writes Rope, 12 Angry Men, as mentioned above. Uh, Amber writes Lock. That's a good point. Tom oh. Hardy, yeah. Uh, Mike writes The Descent. Mm. Uh, oh. Shalem has The Breakfast Club all day. I didn't even think of The Breakfast Club for this. <laughs> Mainly I'm, I'm not it's all in their school. I didn't even think about it. I'm either. not a big John Hughes guy, but like, that's oh, a good I pick. love The Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andres writes Star Wars prequels. That's funny, because it's. Ha ha, it's green screen. <laughs> green screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matt writes Cube. Uh, Tammy writes The Breakfast Club. And lastly, Rob writes Rope. Rope is good. Uh, next up, we have favorite random dance can, or musical. Can I yeah. add one? No, I, yeah. I, I love favorite. No, go, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, th- those are some really great ones. Um, also, The Night of the Living Dead. There you go. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a good answer. Uh, next up. Uh, no one said Saw, by the way. I'm not a huge fan of Saw, so I don't care. Just, just, um, <laughs> no one said I, it, but I hate I it. Don't, I don't really consider that in one location, though. I guess not. I guess it's more of the core premise. It's like, what if I mean, a lot of it takes place, but with all the flashbacks and the, the other stuff, I wouldn't say it does. Very true, yeah. Uh, next up, we have favorite random dance or musical number in a non-musical film. Um, uh, Jim has Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> Singing in the Rain in A Clockwork Orange, <laughs> The Dude's Dream in The Big Lebowski, <laughs> The Circle Jerks as The Lounge Band and Repo Man. I, that's an obscure reference that I enjoy quite a bit. Uh, putting on the Ritz from Young Frankenstein. Tyler has When Austin Powers Destroys the Fembots to I Touch Myself Always Makes Me Laugh Uncontrollably. Uh, Philip has Brad Pitt's Daughter Singing the Show from Moneyball. Uh, Kara has Ducky in Pretty in Pink. Mm. April has Reservoir Dogs Stuck in the Middle of You. It's a nice pick. Joe has Spider-Man 3. Gets a reaction out of me every time. Usually a <laughs> terrible case of the dry heaves. <laughs> Michael Lee has Hugh Grant and Love Actually. That's wonderful. 
That is wonderful. <laughs> Most of, but pretty much everything Hugh Grant does in Love Actually is pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Ooh, would we call her chubby? Sorry. <laughs> that lot, yes. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's just talk about Love Actually. Uh, Justin has Top Gun or Beetlejuice. Uh, Mike has Let's Get It Started from Hot Tub Time Machine. Brandon Peters has Skeleton Twins. Nice. Um, he had an exclamation point, so I said it that way. Karen <laughs> has Napoleon Dynamite. Rob has You'll Be a Woman Soon from Pulp Fiction. Uh, Jason has Iron Man 2 I think he's referring to like the brief scene where Sam Rockwell dances on stage um, which yeah good for him uh, Max well you're on the show you have <laughs> gone to the dance scene in Clerks 2 as well as the dance in 500 Days of Summer plus, oh yes plus, thank you yes. that's the one I was waiting for 500 Days of Summer <laughs> I love that someone put it so awesome it. plus who can forget putting on the Ritz and you know, Frankenstein and yeah. lastly David has My Sharona at the convenience store my, 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 my Sharona Right. A lot of uh, good answers there, guys. A lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really good answers. Uh, next question we ask everyone is your favorite mad scientist. Jason writes Dr. Horrible, as in PhD in horribleness. <laughs> uh, Man writes Steve Jobs. Uh, <laughs> Shailen writes Easy, Large Professor. Uh, Manish writes Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Also Dr. Frankenfurter. Frankenstein. Uh, Tara writes uh, Gary and Wyatt. From Weird Science. Uh, Gary uh, writes Gene Wilder, Young Frankenstein. Justin writes Doc Brown, hands down. Uh, Adam writes Dr. Strangelove. Yes. David writes Frankenfurter. Lastly, Mike Jones writes Mystery Science Theater 3000. I like He put up a picture, and I thought it looked like it was from Mystery Science Theater 3000. I wasn't exactly sure. Oh, all, all three tell. of your questions this week had uh, John Hughes-related responses. True. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So we'll never do Wait that a- again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just strike those from the questions. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, all right. So now we have some questions that you guys asked us that we can answer. Now, uh, Philip has a really good question that I like right now, just especially because of this panel that I, of people that I have on with us. Uh, what was the main thing that moved you from being just a regular movie fan to a cinephile? I'd say that I'm not really a cinephile in terms of knowing as much as these three talented folks on the podcast with me aaron maxwell and mark uh they know much more much more in terms of all the cinema films but more current things you guys know stuff like the 40s films and the 1920s films it's it's very amazing previously unheard of by (laughs) just no well honestly just to like listen to this and know that you or listen to what you guys have to say about it is like i'm still astonished so I don't even know if I'm I'm a cinephile. I'm just a, a movie fan listening to people talk. Abe, you, you host a podcast with me. You're a cinephile. <laughs> um, as far as things that move me, um, that's a tricky question because I've had a love for film for a long time. Um, but like the word cinephile, if I had to like pinpoint a time, I'd probably say the year of 1999, oh. uh, when just a lot of films that I currently hold up as some of my favorites ever were all coming out and it, I had lots of I have lot I had lots more things to ask myself about film and the nature of it and what I like about it and asking myself questions and going back on other films that I already had an appreciation for obviously I'm I'm and Maxwell and Abe were all around the same age mark I know you're a little older than us um oh gee thanks so I not <laughs> I didn't say you're ancients but I'm just like speaking respectively from like the saying the saying the year 1999 I mean it's like it's not too far long ago but I mean that's certainly kind of when I would say things started happening in terms of yes I was watching movies in the 80s 
when? (laughs) 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 You guys have thoughts on this? Well, just uh, when I was young, um, I I used to, my, my parents used to take me to the library and they had this wall of VHS tapes and it was lots of basically older films. They didn't have the most recent things. And they used to have like, you know, Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz, as well as like all of Hitchcock's like greatest works. And it had One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Godfather. So I would like regularly check out these VHS. These were VHS tapes, not DVDs, VHS tapes. And I would take them home and I'd watch them like regularly. And just over the course of, you know, weeks and weeks, I developed this like, you know, really love for like old films. I mean, and then of course, you know, it's continued on to recent things as well. But, uh, you know, you, when the library gets the, uh, movies, they, they tend to be the really good stuff. They didn't, they didn't get, you know, like whatever, like the, the forgotten movies of the eighties. It was always like pieces, uh, movies that won Academy Awards and things like that. So, you know, I, I got to see like some of the greatest films, uh, during that time. And then it's just sort of like that, you know, at, at an impressionable age, it sort of like sticks with you. So that's kind of how I came into it. Maxwell? Yeah. Um, I always love the movies. Like you could pretty much find me at the cinema every Friday night and I would rent VHS tapes from Blockbuster all the time. But it was when I finally saw Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia on DVD. That was the year of 1999. Uh, yeah, I think I saw, I saw it the next year uh, after it came out at home where I would say uh, the word cinephile starts to apply. That's sort of when I like uh, opened up my eyes. I had like an epiphany to film is not just something you do like to have fun, but it's like the premier art form and something I want to, if not devote my life to, spend a considerable amount of time studying, went to film school, etc. So. Yeah. It's neat because like I've always been good at names. Like that's why it's like hard to pinpoint a cinema. Like I, I've always like not just actors, but like directors and writers and things. Like it's always something that it's like at, from a younger age. It's like I'd be. Yeah, I, I always used to like to stay and watch the credits, and every, all my friends are like, "Let's go! It's time to go!" And to be like, "But I want to see who <laughs> who the best boy grip was." Where did they film this? I don't have an IMDb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There was a, a book, too, that I was like really into. It was called The Film Encyclopedia by Ephraim Katz. And that book, I got it from the library. It used to have like all the different movies. This is obviously before the internet. Um, all the films that uh, you know a, a, a star would do. So before the IMDb, you know, there were books that would show like, and I would love to like look at, you know, a, a particular star and see like all the films that they had ever done. And and uh, this book, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this book. It's kind of famous, but um, I don't think they update it anymore because the, the, the author is no longer living. But uh, it's, it was, um, it, it had like a little bit of a biography of each of these stars and things like that. And, you know, it would show like what their debut film was. So you could see like, oh, you know, uh, you know who like who starred in what and, and what was their first film. So that also kind of like added to my like uh, study of film. Cool. The, the accessibility of, of films and the knowledge base on the internet has almost has made it so easy to be a cinephile now that I almost am jealous of like the ease at which you know young kids who are now discovering their love from film can feed it. Like when right. you know growing up in the '90s or the '80s for you, Mark, you know when the internet was not around or just in its infancy, you really had to like 
go out of your way to discover this information and, and really learn. Well, um, Maxwell, so. that's, that's why you can always say that you're better than them. <laughs> no, <laughs> all I'm saying is that if you He's not a, saying better. He's saying just easier. Yeah, if, if you, you have call a, it what you want. If you have an interest in film, feed it, guys. I mean, there's so much out there, so much to learn, so much to watch on Netflix and Amazon. Don't just watch new stuff. Like, explore yeah. the depths of, of cinema for the past 120 years now. Uh, Maxwell, we, that's all fun and games, but how are we going to see Paul Boyer, too, if we're busy watching old movies? <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh. Come on, let me tweet my stuff. Hold on. But uh, on the topic of, of uh, learning and the, inter- and the age of information, there's a lot of people these days that are putting on cuts on the internet, like on YouTube, that kind of splice or slice and dice how films are made and kind of some direction and whatever else, kind of just, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, film study in general, which is very interesting. So if you're into that, check out some YouTube videos and, and become a cinephile like these guys here. And YouTube. Some will. What's the next question, Abe? Yeah. Next question we have from Jason is, who would you like to see direct a Hobbs movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And oh. my answer to that is uh, the woman who directed American Psycho, because I want to see Hobbs in his uh, 1,000 crutches every morning while pulling a face peel off his face. I'd say John McTiernan. That would be good, too. Good Probably better. Get Predator, diehard director in here. Make mm. a Hobbs movie. Maxwell, your thoughts on this? It's a an interesting question. Uh, maybe Pete Berg. Oh, there you go. Oh, they yeah. can make it pretty fun. Uh, you know, they've worked together before, yeah. so they would. That would be. If they're not going to give us a rundown sequel, we might. Yeah, have a exactly. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mark, I know you. You were a big fan of Furious Seven, were you not? Uh, I loved it. Who would you like to see direct a? Dwayne the Rock Johnson Hobbs character movie. Uh, hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, just focused on the big hulking rock character with his goatee and his sweat <laughs> and his big gun. The three things that define. I don't know. Hobbs. Like, I mean, whoever directed like Jason Statham and Crank, that that I would. Double Dean Taylor, nice. That's a good choice. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, Tyler asks, how do I become friend of the show, Tyler Wanky? <laughs> well, Tyler, I guess we'll just start saying it. Friend whoa, of the show, whoa, Tyler Wanky. Oh, okay. hey, well, oh, boy. Oh, we're, we're holding? I mean, I'd, I'd say he has to jump through a few hoops before he just becomes a friend of the show. Okay. I mean, he'd have we, to. We don't really have a process down, but, you know, when we feel <laughs> as though it's appropriate. Am, am I a friend of the show? Of course you are. Yes. You're on the show. Okay. <laughs> right. I, just, I just want to make sure. I don't know how this works. And, you know, I don't Kyle Chandler's a friend of the show because he's always welcome to be on the show. Yeah. There, there are people that are a friend of the show that have never even been on the show. Yeah, but the door is always open for them. That's how they are a friend of the show. <laughs> like, if Sam Rockwell stopped by, of course he'd be a welcome. Yeah, friend. he'd be a friend of the show. Kyle Chandler, then... if you want to come on the show and discuss season one of Bloodline, Please help, <laughs> but, help but, out my pals Aaron and Abe. But say and, you know if like if like Julia Roberts walked by, like no, you're not a friend of the show. Yeah. She, she, she could stand here, but like she <laughs> wouldn't be able to like be on the show. That'd be ridiculous. And original friend of the show Will Fickner. So yeah, but Will Fickner, like yeah. Oh. yeah, that guy is like yeah, we love that guy. Who doesn't love that guy? Are we going to the next question? Yes. <laughs> next question from George is: Who do you have winning the NBA Finals this year, or what director <laughs> would make a great sports coach? 
I know uh, nothing about this, so I'm going to defer to Abe on that one. So, so I'll say somebody, but I don't want to jinx it, but I definitely want the Warriors to win. Uh, and in terms of being a sport, great sports coach, again, I've been watching Louie and David Lynch made a cameo when Louie's trying to get the Letterman oh job. God, they, yeah, that, and perfect. he was great. <laughs> you guys, run over that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say the say we'll go we'll be right back. You got to work on your timing. Comedy is about timing. Put up the D. <laughs> Shoot the J. Let's just do David Lynch voice all day. <laughs> That's a good pick. I can't even defute. I, I have nothing. I have no, I have no Plus his hair is amazing. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Justin asks a question that I think I've already answered. Did you get a chance to catch the Star Wars celebration panel? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I he says I loved it and was amazed that BB-8 was real. I have to say JJ Abrams seems to be doing right with all the practical effects. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, we'll pass the note along to JJ or uh, Jimmy Jams as I call him. Jimmy Jams. Uh, Jimmy Jams oh. Abrams. Yeah. So, Makes perfect sense. It's a family name. Um, moving on. <laughs> I think that's how you, that that was feedback. 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 Now, Jesus! Now we have so much more to do. Now it's time for um. That what? Other thing. Oh, Aaron, is it is it time for some games? Wow, I mean that's almost as if somebody else was playing it. Artificial intelligence just kept going and going and going. I'm sorry, going. right? That made me laugh quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go as long as possible. Um, yeah, that was what made me laugh, is that it kept going. I was it's like, like oh. yeah, it's usually pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> this week. It's a packed show, I told you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, guys. Get your fingers on the buzzer. Okay. Because <laughs> mm. this game this game is called... Cause th- this is my attempt to combine the words podcast and touring. This is the purring test Ooh. for man or machine. Um, oh, so basically, I have I have a number of movies here, and I have quotes from each of them. Each of these movies feature both humans and machine, robot, android, etc. characters. I'm going to read a quote from the said movie, and you're going to tell me if you believe it was from a fe- a a being, a man or woman character, or a robotic or android character. Okay. So basically, you just buzz in. Name the movie. Or just... Yeah, I'll name the movie. Yeah. Okay. So, great. but basically, you buzz in. You say like Abe, and yes. and you answer. Man or machine. Gotcha. This is not to be confused with the other game, Man or Muppet. Um, so, <laughs> here we go. Here's the first one. This is a quote from The Matrix Reloaded. Okay. Choice is an illusion created between those with power and those without. Uh, Abe. Yeah. Machine. That is correct. The Merovingian says that quote. Good job, Abe. Thanks. Here's the next one. This one's from Terminator 2. Judgment, colon judgment day. <laughs> I'm sure it feels very real to you. Uh, Abe. Yes. Man. Man is correct. That is Dr. Uh, Silverman. Doc- yeah. Because the next line is has an expletive in it. <laughs> Here comes the next one. This is from a, a future classic, Eagle Eye. <laughs> oh. The quote here is, Operation Guillotine is in effect. Maxwell. Yes. Machine. That is correct. The robotic disembodied voice, I believe it was Carrie Ann Moss was the voice, or was it Julianne Moore? I forget and don't care that much. I've never seen that movie. Write in. 
<laughs> I don't know podcast at gmail.com. If you know the voice of A-R-I-A from Eagle Eye. If you want to be a friend of the show, Tyler, you better write in. This is your chance, Tyler, to prove yourself. <laughs> this is it right here. If Tyler emails us, if he Googles Eagle Eye, looks up the voice of A-R-I-A, and tells us who it was. No one else do this. I don't. If you Only can, Tyler. You can throw it in, but I'm not going to read it. I'll just delete the email. If Tyler doesn't, he'll be a friend of the show. Here we go. Here's the next one. Mark, you're there, right? I'm still here. Okay. He's, he's waiting. He's biding his time. He's gonna... I mean, it's a 50-50 chance, so it's like... <laughs> or is it? Um, this one's from Transcendence, future classic. Uh, Abe's favorite movie from last year. No, it's not. Good enough for the monkey. Hmm. That's a, that's a real head, head, head scratcher. Yeah. Mark, man. Incorrect. Um, said by Johnny Depp's character, although he was in <laughs> whatever the hell he was supposed to be at that Well, point. he was a man at first. He was, but not so long. Here's the next one. This one's from Chappie. <laughs> it's time to pump up the jam. Hmm. Seems like a trick question. It could be. Uh, I have not seen Chappie. Chappie. Mark Machine. Incorrect. Uh, That's then that wasn't a trick. (laughs) It was from Ninja, one of the members of (laughs) Giantspurs that co-stars in Chiappy. Chiappy would have said it. Here's the next one from iRobot. Wrong number, ma'am. Maxwell, man. Incorrect. Ah, it was a machine from one of the NS5 robots. Oh, boy. NS5. Lots of Shia LaBeouf movies today. Apparently, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not done with them either. There's another one. <laughs> Here's the next one. This one's from The Matrix. You're cuter than I thought. I can see why she likes you. Uh, Abe, man. Incorrect. Really? It's, it's not the Oracle? The Oracle is not a man. It is a machine. Yes, it is. Oh, oh I didn't even think about that. No, you didn't. <laughs> No, wow, that's a good point. Touche. It's in. It, that, that's it, a oh, good wow. question. That was a good fun question. Yeah. Here's the next one. No, 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 no. It's Transformers. <laughs> wait, oh. wait, wait, what? Is that the quote? Yeah, is that the quote? No, it's not the quote. Oh, okay. I was, I was introducing the fact that it was Transformers. I was going to bust it so fast and say, Shia LaBeouf. Here it is. <laughs> Are we talking about an invasion? Uh, hmm. uh I want to say Abe, man. Correct. I want to say it's one of the, the soldiers. It's one of the soldiers. Okay. Is it Tyrese? Uh, no, it's not Tyrese. Okay. Although I was looking at the quotes from Transformers, which I hadn't watched in a while and hadn't really thought about. And I saw, bring, bring the rain! The, bring the rain! Yes! <laughs> That's like the... <laughs> Tyrese. Woo! That's Tyrese right there. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. This one's from Big Hero 6. Ooh. We jumped out a window. Oh, Maxwell. Machine. That is correct. Baymax. I know that feels like the back of my hand. Are you satisfied with your care? La 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 la. Here's the, here's the next one from Prometheus. How far would you go to get your answers? Maxwell, man. Incorrect. Ah, oh, was it David that? who said that? Maxwell, you were correct. Uh, Michael Fassbender did in fact say that. Uh, All right. So yeah, you were wrong on guessing. Yes. Here's the next one from AI, art- colon, artificial intelligence. Are you in trouble? Have you run away from someone? I have never seen that movie. Maxwell Machine. Correct. From Gigolo Joe, played by Gigolo. 
I, I love Gigolo Joe. What a great character. I agree. I really like. I, I was happy to see him get so much love for that. He got like a Golden Globe nomination, I think. Yeah. Um, last one. This one's from Blade Runner. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, I want to say Abe Machine. Correct. Is it uh, what's his face? Batty. Uh, yeah, Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer. Yeah, seems like it would be something. All right, great. Abe, you won that game. Yes. That's like the first game I've won in like three months. You got a lot of incorrect. If I wanted to score this differently, it could take off points for all the times you missed an answer to. But, you know, I'm not going to do that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you, you lucked what, out. What a pal. I think I like, he still I think he still would have won, though. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go. Let's go on to – that was games. Let's move on to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week. And we have a, an assortment, that's for sure. Uh, first up, we have Taken 3, The Takening. Mm, from what it. you guys said it wasn't really worth it it's the it's the worst movie i've seen this year mm, okay tied with two other movies <laughs> so. it's the worst movie i haven't seen this year there you go mm. uh next up we have everly this is the film with selma hayek um i believe it all takes place in one location actually it's like an action movie did not get a chance to see it um so that happens uh next up is a girl walks home at night i believe mark you saw this film right yeah i, I did it was very interesting that's a, it's like an Iranian vampire film, if I'm not mistaken. Right, and uh, very very low budget, uh, mysterious. Uh, no, very well done. You never saw it? I, no, I look forward to checking it out. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it also. Cool. Uh, next up we have Cake, the uh, Jennifer Aniston drama that racked up oh. some Oscar buzz but never led to anything. Mm. She's pretty good in it, but the film is not that good. I, I actually liked it. I thought it was qu- I thought it was quite good. It's worth seeing for her performance. Um, I liked uh, Adri- what's her name? Adriana. I can't think of her last name. The uh, the actress. Um, she was in Babel. Babel also. She got nominated for Babel. La, la, la something. I can't think of it. Sorry. Um, and let's see. Next up we have The Musketeer Season 2. I know that's a popular BBC series that's going on. Oh. I've heard good things about it. I still haven't got a chance to see it. But Who has say. the time, Aaron? Who has the time? Um, then we have Escape from New York, Collector's Edition from Scream Factory. I will uh, be buying that. Certainly a cult classic. Certainly number one on Jim Dietz's, you know list of things to get immediately once they happen because it is his favorite movie. Um, and yeah, it's uh, based on the review by Brandon Peters over at Why So Blue. It, uh, it has, it's packed with new stuff and probably looks better than ever on Blu-ray. So good Excellent. Job. And lastly, I just want to mention this because I saw it's making its Blu-ray debut. A little-known classic called Biodome, featuring Polly Shore and, <laughs> and of course, William Atherton. It's on Blu-ray? For the first time, yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm, I'm more of an Encino Man person myself when it comes to the, here. <laughs> the, the, the oeuvre of Mr. Shore. What about but, uh, uh, the one where he, what's it called, Jury Duty or something? Jury Duty. I, I'll, I'll take that over in the Army now, um, but I believe Son-in-Law still kind of wins out most of those ones. Uh, <laughs> there are classic movies that haven't even been released on DVD yet, and this one's getting a Blu-ray. <laughs> yes. People, people love their Poly Shore. I hope it's, I hope it has a four new 4K scan and like, film, <laughs> like filled like Criterion essays inside the box too. Right. They went back to the original master. <laughs> yeah. Spent a year and a half uh, fixing the broken elements. They got the director oh. to record two commentaries. Oh, they they got special commentary by Kylie Minogue. 
Oh, Seriously? Oh, my God. She was in that movie. Yeah, she oh, is. Well, now yeah. I if have you, if to. You know, uh, if you know who that is, but. I love Kylie Minogue. Now I have to, to buy that Blu-ray. <laughs> She's a delight. She is pretty great. So that's what's, a, yeah, star of a Street Fighter and Holy Motors. Those are two films that should be mentioned. Street Fighter. <laughs> and don't forget. Uh, a major pop star? <laughs> uh, what's the one? Uh, oh, gosh. Moulin Rouge. Yes. She was that and little she, green, green fairy. She had a very memorable guest star turn on Doctor Who as well. Doctor Who? Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, moving on. Um, extremely cool. These are movies that are currently streaming on Netflix that I want to just recommend because why not? Someone asked us if we could uh, recommend more things that are currently on Netflix or just streaming. Um, Abe, do you have anything by chance that you want to go into? Uh, Spectacular Now is streaming. It is. So check that out. Yeah. yeah. I'd also say recently They Came Together is now streaming. This is the mm. David Wayne film starring uh, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler that came out last year, and I think it's hilarious. It's a kind of a send-up of, of, of New York rom-coms. And um, The Babadook is now yes. streaming on Netflix. Is it? Oh. Ugh, ugh. And uh, Abe, uh, Abe certainly needs to watch that immediately. I know. Babadook. Oh, my God. That was really scary. That was pretty I'm good. scared now. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it during daylight. Aaron, did you get your book yet? Yeah. Uh, not the book yet, no. I got the Blu-ray last week, but uh, okay. not, not yet with the book. Um, yeah. I'll just I can't wait though. <laughs> I would also add uh, if you haven't seen it or you're interested, uh, season one of Halt and Catch Fire is now on Netflix. Yeah, interesting I, uh... AMC show about uh, sort of the dawn of computers and whatnot. It has is, a lot of good stuff in it, including Scoot McNary and um, Lee, uh, and Lee, Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Yeah, yes. I lo- I'm, I'll watch season two. I think it was it was it was finding itself along the way. That's a good way to put it. Nice. Um, also, Daredevil is now currently streaming online, and since we uh, the new season of Dare- the first season of the of Marvel's Daredevil, which uh, if you you know haven't started watching already, it's certainly worth checking out. Yes. And, uh, after you, of course, listen to our commentary for the original film. That's what you obviously must do first. <laughs> um, Order of operations. You learn that in math. There you go. So that's extremely cool. Uh, next week. Next week, um, I believe Maxwell and Mark Hoban, among others, um, if it all works out, will be joining us again to talk the fourth annual Summer Movie Gamble. Oh, boy. This is, of course, where we make our predictions of what we believe will be the top ten films at the box office of the summer from a domestic standpoint. There are certainly some that will – rise to the top quicker than others but the joy really is the nitty-gritty of what that you know kind of seven eight nine slots are going to be among others this is the this is the show where i make my comeback yes yeah i don't know we'll see last year yeah maxwell basically won even though jordan kind of won in a landslide but was just not present to like accept the prize so we had to Uh, give him a penalty but there was a lot of things i mean last year that was that was a fun year in terms of printer it was intense it was yeah there was a lot of i have i have flashbacks to that certain people aren't allowed on the podcast anymore it's crazy that's not true that last part but still it's a lot of fun you know what i like about it too is because it forces you to really decide like okay is maleficent going to be a big hit or is you know how to train your dragon going to be a big hit and then at the end of the summer you can't go back and say oh i i knew that maleficent was going to be a huge hit it's like no you didn't you the, we, <laughs> we we were surprised by that you know because except like, me <laughs> except you <laughs> we were all surprised we were all surprised though that uh how to train your dragon was not the huge hit that we expected yes. it to be it, it, yeah it, it was both it was. not the huge hit and oscar winner that it should have been you're correct on that front. Uh, <laughs> um, yes uh anyway that's gonna be next week's show should be a lot of fun should have um obviously you guys hopefully we'll be on there we might get some returning 
a returning champ, actually, come to think of it. And we might get some new blood on there as well. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but that's that. Um, what should people see now in theaters? And what do you plan to see next is the last thing we're going to do here. Maxwell, what would you say people should see in theaters right now? Oh, uh, I have no answer. You've seen things recently. Yeah, well, the one we talked about today is the one I would first recommend. Okay. Uh, Ex Machina. Uh, or if it's playing near you, uh, True Story. Hmm. Mark Hoven. I would recommend Ex Machina if you if it's playing near you. If not, Furious 7, if you haven't seen it yet, it's great. Yeah. Everyone has seen Furious 7. <laughs> see you again. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend <laughs> Ex Machina as well. Um, in terms of what I'm going to see next... I might try and catch a Babadook, maybe even tonight. Oh boy! Definitely watch it tonight. Um, then watch don't Veep. sleep. No, watch <laughs> Veep. Watch Veep afterwards. You'll feel better. Oh, okay. Yeah, g- great idea. I would say yeah. See Furious Seven if you haven't done that already. See While We're Young because that's a I, I really like While We're Young. Oh, and I plan on seeing It Follows next. Oh, you haven't seen it? Ah, yet. I have not seen it yet. No. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm. I, the Newport Beach Film Festival begins uh, next weekend, actually, so I'll be seeing lots and lots of things in the, in the coming week, so that should be something. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to do it, guys, for this week's episode here. It's been a, talked about a lot of things, but um, yeah, that's it. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com, you can find on my written movie reviews, as well as at uh, ranthollywood.com, where I uh, report on various movie items and write reviews there. And wisetoblue.com for Blu-ray reviews. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blackspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag rant Hollywood Aaron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maxwell? Uh, yeah, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. Visit my site, uh, cinemaxwell.com, and check out my podcast, Real Topics, which you can find at cinemaxwell.com or on iTunes. Marco. You can find my musings on the latest films at fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other fun shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, Legion of Dudes, other fun shows about comics and games and cool stuff like that. Listen to us over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Send us your thoughts on Ex Machina or your top 10 picks for the summer, actually, over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Tyler, we're also looking for your answer. That's uh, right. You, you can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Feel free to follow our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, and, of course, our voicemail line, 972-798-3830. That is where you can leave us a voicemail message, and we'd be happy to you know, accept it and possibly play it on the show and respond in some way humorous or otherwise um <laughs> maxwell mark thank you both for joining thank you us both this evening. thank you it's been a pleasure thanks no. for having me yeah for sure no problem yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. Oh, great to have you on look forward to talking to you guys next week and even if it doesn't work we look forward to just getting your picks so we can you know have a it'd be great to have like a, just a giant list of us all submitting top 10 picks for the summer and just see yeah how, because uh, one thing because i love doing the math of these on the end of the summer that's not true i hate that part but um <laughs> It, it, it'll be really cool to see just a giant competition happen for this. Um, and with all that said, yeah, we're going to summer gamble next week. Week after that's Avengers. And, you know, then Woo. the summer is just full steam ahead after that point. So, um, oh, yeah. With all of that in mind, thank you both again for joining us. Thank everyone for, for uh, listening to our show. And until next time, so long. 
and goodbye. She looks a lot like Amelia Clark, uh, by the way. I can see that. Yeah. Who's Amelia Clark? She is Daenerys on Game of Thrones. Khaleesi. Uh, okay. Yeah. She has dragons. No big deal.